Hey, Rarecast listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new program from Global Genes called Data DIY. Access to data is essential for advancing the understanding and treatment of rare diseases. The challenge for patient advocates and organizations is to be as savvy about data as researchers and clinicians. The Global Genes Data DIY program teaches organization leaders how to become empowered data owners and stewards. If you'd like to learn more about the program, attend an upcoming Data DIY workshop, or view resources, go to globalgenes.org forward slash data DIY. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is a serious life-limiting lung disease characterized by fibrosis and scarring of lung tissue. Patients generally live only about three to five years after a diagnosis. Approved therapies can slow down the progression of the disease, but no available therapies halt or reverse it. The only curative therapy is a lung transplant, an option that's available to only a small subset of patients. Promidier is developing an experimental therapy it believes may not only halt the disease, but reverse it. We spoke to Jason Lettman, CEO of Promidier, about the company's experimental therapy, how it works, and, and why it may have the potential to treat a wide range of fibrotic diseases. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We're going to talk about prominier idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and your efforts to develop an experimental therapy to treat the condition. Let's start with the disease itself. What is it? How does it manifest itself? And how does it progress? Sure. So um, uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis or, or IPF um, is a, it's a specific form of uh, chronic uh, fibrosing uh, lung disease, and as I think is the name idiopathic uh, suggests, unfortunately, um, it's of an unknown unknown cause. Um, and, and over time, it, it just leads to irre irreversible loss of lung function. Uh, these patients have a hard time exercising, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, the quality of life degrades. Um, and you know the disease progresses. Um, you know it, it it can vary in its in its progression, um, but you know as unfortunately it, it it does progress and and impacts both lung function as well as as you know overall um, you know ability for for patients to live. Is there any thought that this may be genetically driven? Yeah, I think that's you know there's there's been some good work um, done recently on on you know sort of the etiology of the disease, but you know unfortunately it, it's it's unknown, and and I think it is likely that certain uh, genetic changes lead to these patients being uh, predisposed to the to the disease, um, but 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 there's really no 
you know, tight link with genetics. I think the theory right now is that there there could be some genetic um, changes that make people more successful of this, and then environmental environmental factors likely triggers it. Um, you know, there are there's a different type of pulmonary fibrosis, familiar fibrosis, which is is different, but you know, and, and does have a, a relatively tight link to, to genes, obviously. But but here, you know, these cases tend to be sporadic, and and there doesn't seem to be a, a really tight link to any you know specific uh, genetic mutations. What is the prognosis for a patient with this condition today? Yeah, you know, it's uh, the, there's a the five year survival rate is in the twenty to to forty percent range. Um, you know, there is no cure here. Unfortunately, there are um, two approved drugs on the market, which, which can help and, and, and can provide benefit to these, to these patients. But, um, you know, it's, it's a progressive disease, right? So, so unfortunately, you know, there's, there's no way to, to stop that progression, which I really think puts the onus on on us and, and others in the in the field here to, to work quickly to, to try to to try to figure this out and, and deliver some new options for folks. There are two therapies on the market today. Steroids are also used to treat the condition. How well do current regimens work to to address IPF? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, exactly right. Two, two approved drugs for IPF: uh, profenadone and tinnitib. Um, both were approved back in 2014 and, and really were the first treatments there. So, you know, I think since 2014, you know, patients do have a couple options. Uh, the drugs have, um, shown an ability to slow the, the rate of decline in FVC, but, but really neither has shown the ability to stop the disease itself or really improve any objective measures. And I think, uh, that's where the real need is. And, and I think, you know the other challenge with these drugs is that tolerability is relatively relatively poor. Um, Natinidib does have some pretty serious GI issues, and profenadone can can lead to rashes and phototoxicities, which you know is a tough thing for for patients to deal with. It, it impacts compliance, and and I think um, you know again it's it's great to have a couple options out there, but but I do think. The hope for the future is to be able to, to do better, even you know, either for new monotherapy approaches or, or drugs that can be used uh, in, in combination. The company is developing an experimental therapy, PRM151. This is a, a recombinant form of the human protein, Pentraxin 2. What is Pentraxin 2 and, and what is its normal function? Yeah, so um, exciting times at Promidier these days, and, and I think the, the scientific work um, behind this is 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 strong and, and has been going on for many years, and so it's really exciting to see now that we're into the clinic. Um, Pentraxin 2, um, you know, PRM-151 is a recombinant form of human Pentraxin 2, and Pentraxin 2 is a normally occurring protein um that um, has been highly conserved, and for for me as a non-PhD here, it just means it's been around for a long time and has been, you know, um, you know, serving a, a really important function. Um, and it really acts as a primordial antibody in a way that that mediates host defense and, and clearance of, of damaged tissue and fibrotic tissue. Um, so so that's how it works. And and I think what's really interesting here is when we look at 
these diseases of fibrosis, whether it's IPF or myelofibrosis or kidney disease, um, you know, we see that there are lower um, pentrexin 2, circulating pentrexin 2 in those patients. Um, and it just is suggestive that this is a really important uh, protein um, in the immune system and, and really is, is uh, correlated tightly with, with many diseases of, of fibrosis. So the company has said this has the potential not just to prevent but actually reverse fibrosis. How does it do that? Yeah, well, again, I'm not a I'm not a PhD, so I'll just explain it in a simple-minded way here. But um, you know, it, 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 pentrexin two plays a critical, beneficial role in, in fibrosis. Um, you know, it, it it does a bunch of things. It, it binds to damaged tissue. It, it also binds to monocyte and macrophages in a way that helps activate them. You know, against the the fibrosis and, and the bad stuff. Um, and I think what what we see with 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 the preclinical models is that, you know, the, the dosing of, of PRM-151 really, um, you know, lasts. It's, it's durable because it, in fact, is playing a role at the site of fibrosis and, and fundamentally changing um, the immune response to that fibrosis. And, and so we see uh, an effect that can last many weeks after, after dosing of our, our drug here. How does this differ from other therapeutic approaches? Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, the, the products on the market are uh, certainly showing a benefit in FDC, but, but they do not directly impact fibrosis. Uh, I mean, they're not directly impacting the disease itself. Um, and I think, you know, we, we can talk about the clinical data uh, in a minute, but but none of the drugs have really shown meaningful functional uh, improvement. They've shown benefit in FDC, which of course, you know, lung capacity is important. But when you think about, you know, a, a patient's ability to walk and function, I mean, those are things that are much more meaningful for people. And we think our drug um, can do that. And, and frankly, we've we've shown shown that in our data that we uh, that we've we've um, you know. Uh, published this year. Well, let's talk about the data. What's known about the safety and efficacy from the studies that have been done to date? Yeah, so we've, um, you know, been at this for a number of years here at, at Promidier. Um, you know, we we have done a number of clinical studies. Uh, we've now treated, I think, over 250 patients. We have some patients out to beyond five years, um, and I think, you know, what's great here, given that pentrexin 2 is a, a naturally occurring protein, the safety profile is really outstanding. I mean, we have not seen any uh, dose-limiting toxicities. We, we haven't seen anything that, that causes uh, concern, and, and I think that's really encouraging, particularly in IPF relative to the, the approved products on the market. Um, on the efficacy side, I think we're also very excited. We've now run several studies. We ran a phase one study. Uh, we then ran a 1B and IPF, and we um, also completed a phase two, both in myelofibrosis and in IPF. Um, and on the IPF side, you know, what we've shown, and I think we're the first uh, study of, of this size to show it, is a significant reduction in the decline of FEC and most importantly, a decline, you know, a benefit on top of standard of care, uh, that being profenadone and attentative. Um, I think it's it's caused a lot of enthusiasm. We 
published those results at JAMA um, about a year ago, um, and there was a lot of excitement from the clinical community. And then we recently published um, data from the Open Label Extension that showed, um, you know, a, a real durable effect, and published that in, in Lancet Respiratory um, a few months ago. Um, and the other thing I'll say about our data in IPF is, you know, we've, we've shown an ability to improve uh, function, as I mentioned, and, and, and that's demonstrated by our six-minute walk data, where we showed a very profound, um, quick uh, Im impact to six-minute walk relative to standard of care. And, and, you know, I think, you know, that's really important for the field. It's six-minute walk has been a tough endpoint to hit. Um, but again, as I mentioned, I mean, this is directly impacting a patient's uh, function, the ability to do things day to day, and, and I, that data has also been um, really well received by the by the clinical community. So, what's the development path forward? Yeah, so we've completed uh, a couple phase twos. As I mentioned, we are very busy at the moment um, planning for a registration study. It's been a very exciting last several months. We um, have been pleased with our interactions with the FDA. I think the agency really recommend, uh, really recognizes the need in this space and, um, you know, has, has given us a, a pretty clear path forward. Um, we were also really excited to announce in March that we received breakthrough designation. Um, we are the only drug in the IPF space uh, since perfinidone and tinidine back in 2014 to, to be recognized with that, and, and, and we really feel like that's a, a great validation uh, from the agency of, of our program and the, and the hope for this for this drug. Um, so we're we're excited. As I mentioned, we also published the extension data, which shows that the, the drug is durable. So we're planning to uh, initiate a uh, phase three here. Early, uh, early next year and are, are busily working on that. And then I think as we'll talk about, we're also pursuing other indications like myelofibrosis and other fibrotic disease. And, you know, I think we're as excited about the hope, uh, for the, for the molecule and, and, and those, uh, and those indications. Well, why don't you talk a little about myelofibrosis? What is it and what's the potential for PRM 151 there? Yeah, sure. So, like I mentioned, I think it's another indication we're excited about. Um, uh, myelofibrosis, or MF, is it's a relatively uncommon type of bone marrow cancer, which I think is, is the good news, and, and it's basically characterized by scarring or, or fibrosis of the, of, the, of the bone marrow. Um, you know, this, this, this disease, this cancer, you know, is basically... Um, affecting the, the marrow, and so you see, you know, hematological issues like anemia and, and thrombo, thrombocytopenia, and you see transfusions and overall reduced quality of life uh, for these patients. Um, and I think similar to, to IPF, there's relatively limited uh, options for these patients. Jackify is the only approved drug for myelofibrosis, uh, and then there's stem cell transplant, but that's really a last resort. So again, another area where there's just a really big unmet need, um, you know, for new drugs that could slow the disease course and truly impact uh, the disease. And I think for us, MF was a really important area to test the compound because we're able to directly see uh, the benefit of PRM-151 because we can, you know, do a bone marrow, bone marrow biopsy and 
and visualize it. And I think what's really encouraging is in that disease, we're seeing both uh, reversal and, and prevention of, of fibrosis. And, I, and, I, and again, I think, um, you know, that sort of benefit to, to these patients with myofibrosis would be uh, would be huge. So, so again, another indication we're, we're excited about. I, I wanted to talk about one other indication you're pursuing. Uh, you're, you're looking at a, another form of the drug that can be delivered directly into the eye. This is for fibrovascular diseases such as age-related macular degeneration and diabetic retinopathy. Where, where is that in development? Yeah, so that's uh, PRM-167 you're referring to, which is a slightly different protein than 151, um, but it, it's also one we're excited about. Uh, 167 is an earlier uh, earlier effort. It's, it's uh, preclinical at the moment, but uh, given its similarity to 151, um, you know, it, I think we have the potential, uh, particularly, particularly in ocular disease, to advance uh, it relatively rapidly. Um, AMD, as I'm sure you know, is is is, is a pretty common disease of the eye. Um, but similarly, again, to the other indications, there's really nothing out there that can impact fibrosis or, or scarring of the retina, which you see in these patients. Um, so from from our preclinical work. We're seeing a, a very nice reversal of the fibrosis, and you know I think as we've talked to um, you know the ophthalmologists uh, that that are close to this disease, there's there's just a lot of enthusiasm for something that could deliver that. So um, it's definitely a key key pipeline program for us, and I think um, you know we're also uh, excited to be moving that forward here relatively rapidly. So how broadly do you think? this therapy could be used in fibrotic diseases across the board? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, the foundation of the, the company is really around this Pentraxin II mechanism in biology, and, and it's broad. I mean, as we started talking about the mechanism, uh, you know, that this is um, this is a key piece of the puzzle when, when you think about how to how to treat and reverse um, fibrosis, um, and we believe fibrosis is fibrosis. I mean, these diseases are characterized by different manifestations of fibrosis, but to us, um, the mechanism is sound across uh, wherever we see this type of, of scarring. Um, and I think, you know, what's most encouraging for us is that it's not just a sort of mechanistic uh, theoretical link. We we see uh, the benefit in preclinical models. So we've tested it, obviously, in the lung and, and bone marrow. Um, but it's not just IPF in the lung. I think uh, all interstitial lung disease, even asthma, um, you know, could be a, a, a opportunity for us. Um, and then beyond that, we've looked at the eye, as I mentioned, and, and encouraging data there. But we've also looked at the liver. Uh, we've looked at the kidney. So when you think about uh, NAFL and NASH, fatty liver diseases. Obviously, fibrosis is a is a key uh, component of those diseases. And, and, and preclinically, we've we've shown that um, you know it can benefit there. And even in the heart, when you look at when you look at ischemic models and models of of uh, heart scarring um, post an ischemic event, you, you know you see you see a similar benefit to uh, Pentraxin too. So. I think that's one of the most exciting things here, and again, really the foundation for the company is, is around contraction too, and 
we think there's there's just a number of indications that uh, make make sense. Jason Lettman, CEO of Promidior. Jason, thanks so much for your time today. Great. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. 